Welcome to the DL Gaming Podcast. We're going to be talking about Baldur's Gate 3 and Mechabellum again, and World of Warcraft Classic Discovery. But first, my name is Christian. I'm Bobby. And I'm Nick. And one thing that I'm surprised by this week is how many subs that we have on YouTube. Uh, we only have 407, which is pretty crazy to, uh, due to the fact that we have so many monthly listeners on Spotify and Apple uh, Music and things like that. If you don't know, our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash at digital logic with a K. Um, so youtube.com slash at digital logic with a K. If we get a thousand subs, I will do a review video for For the King 2. So if you want to see that, sub to our channel, uh, send it to your friends, send it to your family, send it to your enemies, and uh, hopefully we reach a thousand subs in like the next two months. Dude, especially your enemies, right? Dude, imagine <laughs> sending us someone that you don't like. Like, hey, listen to these assholes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Your, I haven't talked to you since punishment. high school. I would wish this <laughs> podcast on my worst enemies. <laughs> yeah. How's your guys' uh, week been so far? Dude, pretty fucking busy. With Mechabellum, I didn't do shit this fucking week. It's disgusting. How about you, you and your tactics schemes? Hey, what about you, Bobby? Uh, pretty uneventful. Yeah, not, not getting, a whole lot get to write home about. Do you get a lot of video gaming time in this week or no? No, no, no. One of these days, I, I've got too many vacation hours, so I think I'm going to take like a whole whopping two weeks off in December, uh, late December. So, yeah, maybe I'll get some game time in then. Get involved in uh, in something. Actually, get get deep into a game which hasn't happened in a while. Not since Dave the Diver, I think. Well, that'd be interesting. You got anything, any games in mind that you want to play? Honestly, I want to go back and play Dave the Diver. <laughs> they've, had a lot, they've had a lot of updates, man. I mean, it's worth checking in on, but it's um, it's a bit of a sand trap. Dip a toe I, uh, in. And, uh, I was talking to this guy at the bar, and it, he had all these rings on his hands. And I was like, dude, nice rings. Like, I feel like I don't see... A lot of dudes sport these huge artistic rings and they were all kind of the same vibe. And he's like, thanks. It's because I'm in this organization, you know, obviously a biker gang. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. And then he's like, but I've been playing the shit out of Dave the Diver. <laughs> That's it's an like, <laughs> It's penetrated the, <laughs> the Hells Angels are playing Dave the Diver. I don't know. Like, it's, it's so <laughs> universal. It's so mainstream, uh, which is kind of cool. That is pretty awesome. Do you, you think he's like a closet nerd with all the bikers? He's like, I got to check who's nominated for Game of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> I got to play those games. I don't know. Hot maybe. Rod. I, I can't go on this hit This hit on this weekend. I got to play more Dave the Diver. Yeah. Well, speaking well, of Game of the Year, that that's coming up, isn't it? Yeah, on the uh, 4th, right? December 4th is the Game Awards this weekend, something? Okay. okay. Yeah. So it'll be the day before this releases. Interesting. Right, I cool. think Baldur's Gate is going to take a lot of awards. Yeah. But we'll see. Oh, it is uh, Thursday, December 7th. My bad. But okay. yes, Baldur's Gate will probably sweep the floor. And maybe Dave the Diver, too. There's so I many think games. Dave Dude, they need two game awards, for sure. <laughs> I mean, the st- have you have you been getting inundated with Steam emails regarding, like, and Steam alerts on Steam? It's like, vote for this game for soundtrack of the year. It's currently nominated. Like, I'm like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? There's a, there's a Steam awards now? Like, what? Yeah, they, well, they did the Steam that. awards. Yeah, last year was the first year I paid attention to the Steam awards and, like, went through every category. Um, it's just, like, I don't know. 
with the game awards it's like press voting and industry experts i guess but there's a pool of like a thousand people but on steam it just feels like the most popular game is gonna win like the game with the biggest community you know yeah do you have a player's choice award in the game awards yeah did you guys vote for the game awards this year or no i did yep same same um so bobby i know you probably played the original turok uh this is when On the Radar starts, by the way. And Bobby's going to talk about Turok 3 Shadow of Oblivion Remastered. What do you got about that? All right. So this game <clears throat> came out on the 30th of November, and I didn't realize it. So I had the first two Turok remasters, and I never played the Turok games back in the day. They were console games. I was on PC by that point in time. So I missed out on them, but I always wanted to like, see what they are all about. And um, they were really hard, hard in that way that only old games are, where it, if you miss the tiniest thing, you can't progress to the next level. Um, I think Seeds of Evil had this like key system where you had to find you had to find certain objects in order to get through certain doors, and they were pretty well hidden. And after you kill all the enemies in the level, it's kind of hard to find your way around and figure out like where you've already been. You know, you know how you use enemies as kind of like a map as like, oh, this is an area I haven't explored yet. I don't know. There are a lot of things that were really difficult about that game, but I'm hoping Turok 3 might be a little more player-friendly here. This remaster is pretty much just a graphical upgrade, 4K, 120 frames a second. Uh, they also said updated gameplay, so I don't know what that means, and gamepad support, so support for controllers, which is nice. Um, what is very interesting about this is it's being restored by the original developers, Night Dive Studios. And I've never really paid attention to these developers, but when I looked at them on Steam, I realized they have developed quite a bit for a very long time. Um, old games like Turok, but also a lot of remasters, including the recent System Shock remaster, and they're currently working on a Dark Forces remaster. So these guys are very well experienced and... Um, and judging on the games that I have played by them, the original Turok ones, or the Turok remasters, they stay pretty faithful to the original game. It's not like Black Mesa where they change a lot of things. Like these are pretty much the original game, but just, you know, up and running and compatible with modern systems. So, Is that what you're looking for, though? Are you looking for just right out of the box graphical upgrade? Like that's what you really liked about this game? Mm, I don't know. I think it's okay. See, for me, it doesn't really matter with Turok because I didn't play the originals. So I'm not like, if they change something, I'm not even going to know, really. And I'm not going to be upset about it. Um, with uh, with other games, I don't know. I feel like they can change some things, but you got to be careful about what, what you change. And for the most part, I think m- most people make good remakes. It, they don't usually mess it up. You know, like the Command & Conquer remasters were pretty good and i guess remaster kind of implies that it's updating the game not necessarily changing it what's interesting to me is that you don't see many of the time of the original developers working on the remake Um, i wonder if there's any people from the old team directly that have been working on it like oh maybe they has some tweaks that they wanted to put in but they never could because back then you couldn't update games like you would you would release a game and it'd come out for N64 and you're like, there it goes. If something's broken, something's broken. <laughs> yeah. Well, they you would know? release patches on games, but they would host it on their website. And nobody really knew about it. Um, if it was a, a multiplayer game, sometimes like they would 
try to direct players to there or you couldn't play certain maps unless you had like the same version as everyone else did on that server but yeah it wasn't as nice as it was today um before we move on a little bit of an update here so two weeks ago we talked about a game orton was the case this um, hand-painted very interesting looking uh 2d adventure game and we were guessing what the price was on that emilio guessed 20 i guessed 17 and nick guessed nine and christian guessed 13 um i guess it's a tie between christian and i because the game is 15 dollars, 14.99 are we playing uh prices right rules yeah prices right if you go over you lose no i don't i don't think if it's 1 cent that should fucking count dude <laughs> that's always been the dumbest thing oh yeah yeah I, I, that was dumb but i mean i think we i think when you case, say i think when you say 15 off yeah i mean yeah it's true um, and that was only $1 off so i win it's clear cut it's mathematics folks call aristotle i figured it out <laughs> What? <laughs> Them's you just guessed, fighting words. You want to explain this? I'm just reading the show notes. B, $16.99. C, $12.99. Yeah, oh, so shit. 12, 13, oh, 14. No, you're right. That's two bucks. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Hold the phone on Aristotle. <laughs> uh, hang up the phone on Aristotle. Don't call him. Don't bother him. I was Don't wrong. call him. Don't call him. <laughs> Tell God, tell him not to pick up the phone. Oh you know, our <laughs> listeners have told me that they love it when we do math on the show. Like when we just try to figure things out and take Dude, forever. If we, get a th- math problems. if we get a thousand subs on YouTube, we'll do long division. <laughs> we'll do a whole if we, video. <laughs> if we get a thousand division, subs. No calculator, just <laughs> uncut, no editing. <laughs> yeah. like, All if, in our if head. We do, if we get 2,000 subs, we'll do like the grade five math. For like end test for the grade, all, every single one of us live on stream. Oh god, I'd fucking fail. Yeah, if I had a pen and paper, though, still probably might fail. But I'm more unstoppable. We might be able to get Aristotle on the line. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about Orton? Was the case, Bobby? Did you now that it's out and there's some reviews? Did more intrigued, less intrigued? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too uh, too hyped about this game to begin with. There. Are, the reviews are 100% positive, but there's only 43 of them. So it's not mm. making a big splash, but people do like it. Interesting. I would, love, week, uh... I would love to get this on a Steam. I just feel like this is a cool Steam Deck game. Orton, is, Orton was the case, I should say. Um, I have Star Miner this week. And this has kind of captured my attention and got me a little hyped. Maybe, uh, you know... A couple degrees more hype than Bobby. Uh, it is a modular spaceship miner manager. So you're starting tiny. As you mine the asteroids in space, you get profits, you upgrade your station, uh, and it gets bigger and bigger. Uh, you have this balance of expanding your mercenary fleet to defend your mining operations versus increasing mining yields. So refineries... Uh, being able to penetrate different types of rock, um, being more efficient with your power supply and your labor usage. It seems pretty in-depth. There's a heat mechanic, so aliens come after you if you mine too much, if you have too much heat, if your stations get too big. Kind of reminds me of, like, have you guys seen Titan AE, that old animated uh, space movie? 
I feel like I have when I was younger. It's yeah, it was kind of not a kids movie, but it was animated in a while ago. So I feel like a lot of kids watched it because parents might have picked it up. But there's quite a bit of uh, like blood and gore in it. Um, so my parents that was not allowed in our house, but they bought it for me, and I got to sit down privately and experience maybe like an eighteen or nine. There was even sex in it. I think there was uh, a titty or two, if I remember correctly. Anyways, Titan AE basically. The earth has been destroyed and humans are surviving in all these little outposts. But anytime too many humans get together, this alien force uh, made of energy comes and, and tries to kill them. So I get, I'm getting that same feeling here. That's very similar. Have you ever heard of All Tomorrows? I have not heard of All Tomorrows. I think you would actually really like this. It is very similar to that as far as uh, like the the story and what things like mean Um, essentially humans have gotten to the point where they have essentially conquered the solar system and solar systems around it. And we've become like extremely blase about space. And what ends up happening is uh, a race that is extremely, extremely above our power level completely wrecks us. Um, And then they like start transforming humans and their anatomy to fit the planets that they fit on. So humans look like these abominations, like one-eyed dolphins and things like that. Um, it's known as one of the most depressing stories, <laughs> by the oh. way. Oh. Uh, but it's called All Tomorrows. I'll send it to you. Um, have you ever heard of Alt-Shift-X? <laughs> I haven't heard of that either. Uh, so Alt-Shift-X was a guy who did um, a bunch of videos on a lot of HBO shows, specifically game of Thrones. And he compared the books to the movie and he has like millions of subs. And like, I think he almost has a billion views, maybe not a billion, uh, maybe a 500 million. Um, but every, every time people watched his videos, I mean, every time like a video of, of game of Thrones would come out, people would be like, all right, I can't wait to see what all shift X says about it. And it would usually come out like either the day after or, or two days after. Um, so yeah, you should check that out. Wait, what's that have to do with? I mean, I, I will, but what's the? Was just with this a random suggestion during the Star Miner segment? Yeah, you said something that in regards to uh, like if you get too many humans together in the story uh, in the in the movie that you were talking about, if too many humans get close together, like an alien race shows up and like wrecks shit. Yeah, yeah. I was making that connection, by the way. <laughs> I don't All see. Right. I'm too dumb to understand the connection, but I will check it out. Uh, yeah, Titan A, if you haven't seen it, definitely give it a watch. Uh, super cool animation, great story. But this kind of gave me the same vibe, the Star Miner. Uh, it's developed by Cool and Good Games, and this is their first game. So congratulations, Cool and Good Games. Uh, can't wait for the 2024 early access release of Star Miner. I think you sold me on the trailer and the Steam page. So uh, good luck and see you in 2024. Uh, Nick, stalking someone? <laughs> um do you have any like prior knowledge of like the stalker series at all you or bobby uh only this uh, podcast i think, <laughs> I, I, think I, won't, I think i've played one of the games mm-hmm. um so for those who don't know stalker is a game that's uh about the chernobyl exclusion zone uh essentially the radiation has ca- caused things to go insane. There's these things called anomalies, which can like literally explode people. And they look like the, like 
wind is distorted and like usually orbs are like oblong in shape. Um, it's like a very big meme in like Eastern Europe to have a bolt on you to throw into the anomaly so that the anomaly reacts to the bolt and then you can continue on your way. Um, it's stalker two has been being asked for by, you know, thousands of Eastern Europeans, um, as well as a bunch of people in the West after, um, the Metro series. Cause Metro was kind of like very similar in a, in the same vein, but it wasn't as free or as open world as stalker. Uh, but stalker Two: heart of Chernobyl, uh, got a, tra- a release trailer or not a release trailer, a, a preview trailer of some of the systems in the game. Um, this past this past week um so the game's still in chernobyl uh the graphics are way better than the first one the first one uh the graphics and the gameplay and the engine were awful um the release is in uh, quarter one of next year as far as like new features or like things that they're they're kind of advertising they're saying that their ai for all of their new creatures and they guarantee a shit ton of new creatures and new guns. They say that the enemy AI is so complex that they don't have to make things into bullet sponges to make them hard, uh, which seems interesting. Um, usually in, in video games, when you like increase the difficulty of something, it ends up being, Oh, the enemy has three times as much health and deals two times as much damage. Um, so it's always interesting when they kind of, when people like when companies say that they made the game harder without having to do that. Um, they said that the gameplay is still nonlinear. It's very much open world. And oddly enough, the thing that they, they announced pretty early, which people are kind of skeptical about is the uh, multiplayer after launch. Um, the first one didn't really have multiplayer. You had to mod it to be able to play multiplayer. Um, and that didn't work very often. Most people usually crashed. The game in itself was pretty unstable. Um, it just wasn't fun to play, especially on newer operating systems. Uh, um, it would crash all the time. But uh, yeah, the game looks great as far as like graphics go. Gameplay looks smooth and simple. I'm, I might pick this up depending on like the opening reviews. It won't be like an immediate buy. So uh, does this appeal to you by... guys at all? Oh, super it does. And I think Emilio was saying a while ago when he was talking about this that it's very much like scavenger-based. Like your ammo and everything you have is limited. And if you use that in engagements, you know, you have to find a way to craft or find something else before engaging again. It's not just like a, a shooter, like a straight shooter. Yes. So the, the Stalker series is uh, known for the, like in the first game, like very much you would pick up scrap and stuff to sell to scrappers to be able to buy ammo. So like you weren't really crafting and stuff like that for the most part. You could craft a little bit, but it wasn't like very immense crafting system. Uh, they're saying the same thing for this game. It's not a run and gun shooter, like call of duty where you have like 300 rounds on you. Um, they did, they did talk about a hunger meter, a thirst meter and all that kind of stuff, uh, which is interesting because that was in the first one in a minor way, but it was modded in. So we'll see. Okay. You know, I was mistaken. I've played a Metro game. I get these confused with the Metro games. I've yeah, they're very similar. Game. Very, very well, they similar. seem like they look very similar, but it looks like these are more open world. Um, the Metro game, well, at least the one or two that I played, I remember being a little more of a um, A to B uh, linear single player campaign. Yeah, and these stalker games. So the title is actually 
an abbreviation of something, an acronym, because it's got the periods. Do we know um, what that means? I'm sure. Let quick. me take a look. Let me see what it means. Uh, scavengers, trespassers, adventurers, loners, killers, explorers, and robbers. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I like it's that. not a sentence or anything. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, for those who don't know, uh, there was a suspicion that the developers are Russian or of other um, uh, other Eastern European descent. They're actually a completely Ukrainian team. Um, and this is one of those teams that when the invasion of Ukraine began, they didn't know if they were going to be able to continue uh, working on Stalker 2. And then they, uh, as some of them fled the country and some of them... Uh, you know, found stability, they did announce that they were still working on the game. Okay, cool. Hmm. It says, yeah, they're headquartered in the Czech Republic right now. So I think maybe a good majority of them hopefully are safe and sound. Um, yeah. Uh, when they say multiplayer after launch, does that mean like like on launch they'll have multiplayer or just a period of time they're going to be working on multiplayer to release after um, uh, launch. I think they're currently working on it and that they're waiting to, um, they're waiting to like, I think they're not going to have multiplayer ready by the launch window. I think they want people to play the single player experience and then play multiplayer. Um, so yeah, I think that's what that means. Multiplayer after launch. There's not much of an explanation after that, but yeah, we'll see. Okay, cool. Yeah, dude, this, uh, thanks for bringing this up. I love the look of this game. I think from what you and Emilio have said, I would have a lot of fun. It reminds me of like, the, the closest thing maybe I've played to it is like a hardcore modded Fallout New Vegas with like a thirst meter, hunger meter, uh, and a lot of crafting. Obviously, this isn't turn-based uh, with, you know, Fallout New Yeah, Vegas this is combat, very... But... <laughs> yeah, no, th this is definitely... Um... If you played the Metro series, it's very much in the similar vein. I know you haven't. Um, very Eastern European design and video game design. Very bleak, very dead zone-y. Um, like moments where like nothing can happen and then everything can happen at once. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I like I, it. I like it, but I haven't played this Tarkov or any of the Metro games, so I feel like I'm missing out on a large portion of like video game design pie. Like, I haven't <laughs> explored so, this type of game. What's funny is that Stalker uh, says that they're, they're a combination of survival, horror, and milsim. Uh, the first game wasn't milsiming because of how bad it, like the graphics were and the engine was. So I'm, I'm interested to see how milsim they're, they're talking about. Um, I've actually like skirted away from uh shooters for some reason i don't know why i've been playing a lot more fantasy games probably because of Baldur's gate actually uh but i should get back into them one day you're saying that the graphics were horrible for stalker the original shadow of chernobyl yeah the original launch graphics were not very good oh man i'm looking at the steam page i'm pretty impressed for 2007 that's kind of kind of good <laughs> For 2007. for 2007 like now yeah. oh now yeah but on launch i feel like if they actually had those graphics that's pretty good okay highlights games that we actually have been playing not that we're just speculating about nick have you lost your life do you need an intervention how is world of warcraft <laughs> classic going 
no, um, because you know what's interesting about this is that the end game is so short, and they don't want people to completely throw their life into the you know oblivion for this game. Um, what's interesting is that the level cap is twenty five, and if if you had no impediments and you had no issues, you would most likely be able to get to level twenty five within uh, probably twelve hours. 12 or 14 hours, um, which is not that bad uh, considering how slow it was on launch. Boy, howdy. Um, I was one of the first um, 10,000 people on on my server, uh, and I have never experienced a WoW like that in my life. Um, so do you know what sharding is? Or, um, yeah, in in like servers or anything like that for MMOs? Nick, you've asked us that so many times. Let's just assume we don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, you don't have to preface it. Just go into the explanation. Also, so sharding. Yeah. I've sharding. I've, I've heard of sharding. I've heard of sharding. Yeah. Keep, going. Uh, Keep going. Yeah. So sharding is when you have like a mega server where you can host like hundreds of thousands of people, okay. and you break the server up into different subservers so that you don't have three thousand people in the same area. And it's like completely inundated and people can't play because all the mobs are being killed. Right. Well, for some odd reasons, when they launched the servers, they launched it without any sharding at all. Uh, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't shart. They didn't want any shards. They did not shart. Um, yeah. And so, like I said, this is the first time it's ever happened to me when it came to wow. There was so many people in the starting zone that people were waiting in line to kill stuff. Yeah. Like people were queuing to kill stuff and, and then eventually it broke into chaos and then everybody went, it was like a free for all. Um, what would have normally taken me two hours to get to level 10, right. Took me three and a half hours because of this. Yeah. It like, once you get to the next zone after like the starting zone mm-hmm. and it, it's on an Island for the horde, <laughs> you have so many people just running around and like there's spells flying everywhere. There's <laughs> mobs aggroing everywhere. And there's this thing called hyper spawning. And I've only experienced this once before, but not because of a release, but because of a, of a, an event hyper spawning is this thing where the game detects even w- when sharding is activated, because now they have 10 shards per server or more. I, it was 10 uh, day before yesterday. So it could be more, if more people join. Um, if if there are so many people in an area, even if sharding is on, what they do is they turn the spawn timer on to like five times the rate. And what ends up happening is um, if you're questing or something and it's like, oh, go kill these 10 cultists, right? You'll kill a couple of cultists. And before you can turn around and like run out of the cave, they've all respawned. Oh. And in WoW Classic, uh, it is very hard, like at level 10, to take on more than one enemy at a time. And so when things are spawning so fast, people are just getting slaughtered. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's very, it's very interesting. It's very, uh, it was a, definitely a unique experience. I think now, if you got into it, you know, like over a week later or like over six or seven days later, uh, when this comes out, you will not have that problem. Uh, like I had a buddy make a new character yesterday. Didn't have nearly as bad as a problem as us. Uh, he did see a lot of people in the starting zone, but that's to be expected. Um, people have already hit the li- the level cap. It's 25. 
and they're releasing these in uh in seasons so the rumor is that in three or four months we're going to get the next one which expands the level cap to 40 um which going from level 25 to 40 is twice as much time <laughs> so uh yeah it can be pretty intimidating um i got to level 16 um there is a fuck ton of new abilities every every class has anywhere between eight to 12 new abilities or abilities from uh, expansions later on, which is really interesting. So for example, there's i I'm a shaman. There's this thing called overload overload came out. I believe uh, two expansions after the original wild classic um, and overload. What it does is that you have a 33% chance of your spells sending out another version of itself, like mirroring itself. Um, for like damaging and healing spells. And to put that in like original wild classic is just really interesting. Uh, cause like it just wasn't part of it, but there's completely unique abilities. There's passive abilities. There's, uh, there's, uh, active abilities. It's like mages can heal, which is like insane. Like they've always been a strictly DPS class. They can heal people using time magic. And usually I am strictly a shaman player, but I'm like, I just want to try mage so bad. Um, but we'll see. I want to go uh, back really quick to what you were saying about shard- sharding. Um, yeah. I have ideas on this sort of design choice for MMOs and like sharing a shared universe because of the Star Wars Galaxies uh, project and like kind of the choices we were making there. Uh, because we were running into the same issues like clusters of people in certain zones were just too much to handle. Um, I I think that shared experience of you walking in and having to line up is like what I personally love about MMOs, like more of the social aspect and feeling like you're in a world with all these other people. I don't really like the choice to shard or even instance dungeons uh, or areas because when something's instanced, you're taking it out of the world and you don't even get as an observer, the chance to see another group do a dungeon. Like you're not just locked out. You're locked out of viewing it. You're locked out of participating in any, in any capacity. Um, you know, you know, what's funny is that you say that and people have suggested in the past is that if you had friends running a dungeon, you could see like them in a ghost crew. Like you could activate that. That, that was something super that was cool. That like in like kind of like in Dark Souls, where if someone's in the same area as you and they're in the same region of the world as you, you can see them actively play. Like you see their ghost running around. You're like, what the fuck? Um, but that was something that was being suggested around Mr. Pandaria. They were like, you know, suggest a, a feature that we can that we can implement. Um, and people suggested that, and I think that's super cool. I I think so. There is non-instance dungeons kind of in in wow and there's uh, like world bosses and like these ex- like these zones that are very very difficult that you can consider possibly a dungeon where there's multiple world bosses and things like that uh, but not in classic um so I, I i love the social aspect dude the amount of like the economy is insane <laughs> like right now in the game in like a good uh, way or I, a bad way like in, in like every way possible is best it sounds because like you got like you got things that would normally be like ten copper being like four gold you got things that would normally be like ten gold is like you know fifty silver it's just all over the place um, but usually the economy f- fixes itself after about three months four months when a new expansion comes out um, and like oh 
actually, this is something I wanted to bring up and I totally forgot to put in my notes. Um, for the first time ever in my life, when I saw the price of gold, so you, so this is something that's illegal in the game, but people do it anyways, is you can buy gold with real money. Guess how much one gold was on launch? Oh, dude, <laughs> I don't, 10 bucks. Is that too high? That's too high. So normally, normally, uh, in classic, I believe you can buy a hundred gold for like 20 bucks. I think it was, or 15 bucks depending on the server and the server population and what faction you were. Uh, it was, like I said, the first time in my life that's happened, that the dollar was more was less valuable than WoW gold. It was $3.57 for one gold. Wow. Jesus. That seems that means if you It means if you got a gold in World of Warcraft Classic... You had you had digital currency that was more valuable than the <laughs> U.S. dollar. Isn't that insane? Um, but yeah, it was. It's a blast. If you've never played WoW, I actually think that this might be a good experience for you because new WoW is like it. You feel like you're fucking on like a virus controlled internet. In my opinion, there's so many pop ups. There's so many things showing up. There's so many things to click and like pay attention to and all that stuff. While classic is a way different experience. It's a lot slower. It's a lot more mellow. It's not to say it's boring. It's not, it's very challenging. It's fun, but it's not like inundated with pop-ups and like cinematics and all these things that people skip anyway. So um, definitely check it out. If you're an old classic player, it it makes the game so much more fun. Um, So yeah, check it out. Okay. Bobby interested. I just don't have the time. Yeah. I mean, it sounds cool. It, it sounds cool because I, I think it kind of fills the gap that there that existed between WoW, uh, between classic and retail. Because a lot of people, retail just got kind of blo- bloated and out of hand. But then you go back to classic, and it was just a little rough around the edges. You forgot how difficult things were. So I'm glad they're kind of finding something in the middle. Um, one thing, last thing I will say about the game is the way you get the new abilities is called rune engraving, which, uh, like makes you do these really weird and out of the way quests. Uh, for example, for hunters to get one of their new runes, they have to find a suspicious bush, which spawns randomly in, in multiple zones and you have to hunters market. And then the bush just like, it like scurries away. That's and so, so fun, dude. That is so dude, fun <laughs> for shamans. Dude, like, so like I'm playing with my friends and there's literally 14 of us in one discord lobby and we're in three different groups and I'm like walking and I'm like, did anyone see that lightning? Like the game thing that that's never happened in the game before. And they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just saw lightning appear in the horizon. Like, did anyone else see that? Or am I going fucking crazy? Or did my graphics card just shit itself? And lo and behold, as a shaman, to get one of your new abilities or like secret abilities. Cause some of them are secrets, right? Some of them you can just completely walk by and not know. Uh, if you see this lightning, there is a totem that's at the bottom where the lightning is or, or where it struck and you can interact with it and do its little quest. And then you get its oh, new, that's new so ability. cool, dude. Did dude, you do that? So, yeah, I did. There's another one where this is, this is the most social one. Actually, this is the one I find the most interesting. So as a priest, there is a new healing spell. Uh, that can be unlocked. But what you have to do is you have to pray with someone uh, of three different race religions. 
And so what that means, so the undead worship like undead gods and stuff. The Torrens worship the Earth Mother and a bunch of other shit. The uh, trolls worship uh, the Loas. And so what you have to do is you have to find somebody with the buff of a different race or their race. And if you don't have that, you have to slash kneel and then slash pray. And after about 10 seconds, you'll get their buff as well. And once you get three, you'll get it. That is so cool, dude. That reminds me of like, it's like that's some Star Wars Galaxy's social shit. That's like teaching fucking uh, Wookiee or <laughs> teaching the Kashuk language to like a human outside of the starport. So he can like, I don't know. It's just a super cool player to player interaction idea. Yeah. So there's, there's so many cool things like that. And like I said, it's not like, wow, like current wow, where it's like a bunch of pop-up windows and like exclamation marks and question marks. And like, like your, all your action bars are full of like spells you won't use. So it's, it's very fun. Check it out. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I think I've avoided it for long enough to putting it officially on my, on my highlights, but fortunately we need to say a prayer because Baldur's Gate 3 is actually a good game. You know, back in w- whenever the fuck this came out and you guys were all <laughs> going crazy over it, you know, I had my I had my suspicions. But no, obviously this game is awesome. And you already know it's awesome out there. Most of you have been playing it. Bobby and Nick, you've also been playing it or have played it. But who hasn't played it is my wife, Rianne, and she's not played D&D or uh, a CPRG. So uh, there's lots of cool things that I feel like through her eyes I have rediscovered as being things that I just kind of maybe was a little bit more intuitive or aware of. Um, first of all, you can romance people in the game. And I'm trying to romance Shadowheart. I don't care. Uh, me and her are destined to be. I don't know if she's super evil. I don't know yet. She has some red flags, I admit. She has amnesia over most of her life. She has an undying love for a dark god. Uh, but I think we can move past those differences because I'm a cleric, and so is she. So we have something <laughs> in common, even though I'm a cleric of the light and she is not. Uh, ground types matter. So things thrown on the ground, like fire or grease or webs... They will affect combat in huge ways. And if you're out of combat and you walk on those, it'll also affect combat. Um, There is a hole you can fall down at the beginning of the game. And we didn't save until we got off the ship, which is probably 10 minutes before that. And we fell down the hole and we got wiped. And that one one was pretty rough because uh, I said, watch out for the hole. And she said, okay. But I don't think she really understood. Like, there's a tiny hole, but then the hole... Collapses. area around that is like rock that is prone to collapse yes so anyways that happened we got wiped uh, also stealing stuff can be horrible so a couple times now we've stolen stuff in a group of people who we don't want to hate us and you know spoiler alert they end up hating us uh <laughs> so that's been challenging and the last one is area attacks can be good or bad so she's playing a ranger i'm playing a cleric and she'll get all these cool arrows, but unfortunately a couple times have launched them into our melee fighters who have been uh, affected by the area of, of the attack. So 
I, I don't know if you guys have played a game with someone who hasn't played types of games before, and I'm probably in that group as well. Um, you get like a unique perspective or things you take take for granted that the game doesn't tell you until you do them wrong the first time. And these are all these are, have all been like pretty funny moments for our playthrough. You know, like they've been like, oh yeah, of course. How would you know about that? And this is the first time, and now. You know, we're laughing. Or in the case of being party wiped, that one wasn't so much laughing. That one was pretty frustrating <laughs> for everyone. But uh, yeah. And my if, last question. Yeah, go. If I can share something, by the way, that will make your life so much easier in this game. Uh, F5 is to quick save. F8 is to quick load. Okay. That'll, that'll save you a lot of headaches. Yeah. yeah. Those, those will save so much time. Because the game auto saves at certain increments, but sometimes those increments can be up to twenty to thirty minutes apart. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it is wise to just be like, ah, you know, we just finished a fight F five, you know. Okay. So you don't have to redo a whole twenty minute, thirty minute fight. <laughs> I've been, we, we're pretty good now. We've got our rhythm, we've got our flow. We're moving through stuff. We're both having a lot of fun. We ha- have our dialogue options with our partner, um, uh, or our CPU that we control that we're. Uh, moving our relationship forward with them. Uh, a cool thing is Rianne's character, we're trying to roleplay our characters a little bit, so Rianne's character is pro-worm, or, or pro the powers that the worm gives you, I should say. Uh, oh, my character, Yeah, my character is anti-Illithid, uh, because he's a cleric, half-orc cleric, comes from a rough background, don't want no worms upstairs there. So he's trying to reject all the powers and the advice the Guardian is giving and upgrading anything. Uh, and I just want to ask you guys, without spoiling too much, are you pro or anti-worm? What about you, Bubby? You answer this I first because mine's going to be a... On the worm. <laughs> I haven't played <laughs> enough of this game to have an opinion. <laughs> so, at, <laughs> uh, so as a person who is now in Chapter 3 again, and I'm doing it with a full team of multiplayer, and the, these are a bunch of nerds that we have played you know, RPGs and stuff like that, we're doing a bad campaign. So we just went full worm, like full brain, like worm, like full powers. And as someone who's already beat the game and I was anti worm, I uh, noticed a very stark difference on how things happen uh, and how, how effective you are in combat and out of combat. Being pro worm can be negative and being anti worm can be very negative as well. Interesting. Um, Do you think because we have what, both of that in me and Rianne's playthrough to such extremes that we'll get both options? Yes, you will. You you will hundred each each person will be individually choice with like pro worm and bad. Like, have you gotten to the point where you can? Uh, I mean, I think you have based on what you said, where you can eat another worm and put it in your brain. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, things get a little crazier in like Act Three when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, another the one thing I want to touch on and. Uh, so when I played this game, I took my time and I explored a lot of shit. Well, once we got to Act Three and we went got into a certain area, I'm like, ah, I know a bunch of a bunch of this stuff. I spent the, arguably the most amount of time in Act Three because I wanted to explore the most interesting part of the game, which is the city. Well, uh, I learned something extremely important about one of the main characters in the game. That's arguably the main character of the game slash games. Uh, and I was like, what the fuck? How did I miss this? It's a boss fight where you fight something that's level 17. 
and wow. you're at the time between level 10 and level 12 and it, it we it took us three tries to beat it um we party wiped twice and boy howdy i was like what the fuck <laughs> like it was i it made the game even better like that's how and it's easy to miss it is a completely secret area like you can just be like Oh, like I'm going to go save the world and then completely miss this huge story uh, part because my, one of my friends, he always makes fun of me because he thinks I'm just brutish and I just tumble through games. Cause I have, I play a bunch of different ones. Right. And like one of our other friends is he thinks is the polar opposite that he takes too much time and we both missed it. Like that's how easy it is to miss it. And so uh, without any city, Without any spoilers, pay attention to certain statues in a certain prison. That's all I have to say. (laughs) That's all I have to say. They're very small. They're sconces even. I'm Uh, I'm doing research for, not research, but I I started like the Digital Logic TikTok to throw little highlights from the episodes and maybe some gameplay and stuff. Uh, And so when I'm scrolling that feed, I am like in Baldur's Gate TikTok. And I'm like, how the fuck do I get off of this? Because every goddamn thing is a spoiler. I've spoiled myself spoiler. so many times. But the thing is, I've already sur- I've already moved past in the story so many spoilers that I didn't even know were, sp- you know, like I didn't even go to that area. I didn't even do that dialogue option. I never even knew this person existed. You gotta block all the tags, dude. You gotta block Baldur's <laughs> Gate. You gotta block all that shit. Uh, but yeah. So when when me and my friends first start, like when it first came out, we were like embargo on all social media, embargo yeah. on all YouTube until we beat the game at least at least once. And so I only got one thing spoiled to me. And at this point, after the last reveal that just happened on on Tuesday, it is not even that big of a fucking spoiler. Like, yeah, it is insane. Um, for those who don't know, by the way, and this actually happened day before yesterday, they just added a playable epilogue to the game. Oh, cool. um, yeah. So we're gonna have to check that one out <laughs> through our playthrough. Although I don't know, there might be an epilogue. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's a playable epilogue. I think it's only for the good ending. So or endings. We'll see. Uh, I feel bad. We haven't really engaged Bobby during this whole. A- any love for Baldur's? G- I mean, I know you like the game, Bobby. If you say you don't have the time, is that gonna be the thing? Yeah, well, of course, that's the thing. But also, I, I want to do a single player game. That's really the only way I'm going to be able to do it. And yeah, I, I think that's sometimes the best way to play these games so you can take them at your own pace. Um, but while you guys were talking, I was scrolling through the negative reviews because this game is so highly reviewed that I, I am very curious as to what people have to say against it. A lot of people are complaining about technical issues particularly with the third act and it's gotten worse with the patches so i mean the latest patch is said to fix it but uh, i mean fix some of the stuff but there was glaring issues with act three um as far as like technical shit and story so because there are so many running stories and so many results and so many ways different things can go, there's only so many check marks before the game can go, okay, this is overlapping, this doesn't make sense, this is like a this is like a a logic error, like and all that kind of stuff. So in, in act three, the game is most prone to having those logic errors. And mm-hmm. so uh they're trying to fix some of them. Um but what I will say is that in this newest playthrough of Act 3, 
I maybe ran into one by but by the time in my own personal playthrough, which was two months or a month before this one, I probably ran into like six or seven. Um, it wasn't okay, so game okay. breaking. Like it's not going to be like, well, I'm done with the game. Um, but it is like, wait a second, didn't that either already happen or something way more important happen and we shouldn't be talking about yeah. this kind of shit. So, okay. And there's one review that I just don't understand here. This guy says, until you remove the political face of lunatics from the front page, you will not have a good review from me. Can you <laughs> shed any light on that? Um, I, I don't know what they mean by political lunatics. Maybe they're talking about the people that are the political face of lunatics the political face from of the lun- front page of the game that's a mystery i think they're talking about the ability oh they're talking about the character creation um that's what they're talking about a hundred percent um so many people are obviously anti this because people just like to be assholes i guess um they're anti you know trans or anti uh, what like LGBTQA plus? Because oh, yeah, the game lets you choose your genitalia lets, and then also your gender. It lets you choose your genitalia, your gender, and your body type, and you can pretty much bang anybody you want, regardless of what you choose. And so, people, that's like if you're talking about the political face. So you're talking about character creation at the beginning of the game. That's definitely character creation. That's what they're talking about. They're they're saying it so vaguely that they don't want to get banned or taken off. <laughs> That's okay. so fucking stupid. Well, maybe we can reach out to <laughs> Bobo Teabaggins for some clarity. Yeah, that definitely sounds like somebody. That's definitely someone with that username. Is definitely the person that uses the N word openly on the oh, internet. Bobo Let's talk about Teabaggins. that. I mean, God. he is a Coast Guard for in New Jersey, or he's part of the U.S. Coast Guard in New Jersey. Wow. It's so funny when people put all this information on their Steam profile. Yeah, anyway, Ooh, howdy. Bobo T. Baggins. I might might have to make some calls. (laughs) (laughs) To the Coast Guard. Oh, yeah. He's got got a bone to pick. Uh, Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, But, yeah, no. Anything else you want to talk about, Sniper, about this game that's immense that you can talk about for a whole podcast or even have a podcast about the fucking game? Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, Yeah. Uh, As we're kind of going through it, I mean, I don't even want to say anything negative about it. I don't think it is negative, but... Like, Rian's computer really chugs to play this game sometimes. Uh, sorry, not chugs while playing the game, but upon loading the game. About half the times that she loads into one of our saves, every asset will be see-through except, like, the skybox or whatever the far textures are that you can't ever actually go Interact to. Interact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Have you verified game files? Yeah, verified game files, but, you know, she did spill, or we did... This computer's been through a lot. This is my old computer. Who knows how much shit I've spilled on that graphics card. It, you know, it's not reliable hardware anymore. So I don't, it's probably not the game's fault, but it is kind of, you know, if you don't have a good computer, I feel like this game might have some issues for you. Do you ever, do you ever think you might spend like 150 bucks for like a 4060? 150 bucks? I mean, they were they were pretty low on uh, on Black Friday, um, and to the point where like people were getting insane deals, like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars. Well, depending uh, on what what hardware you have in there, I I don't know. That may you may have a bottleneck in your CPU or your memory. Yeah, I have an i five in there. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, mm, so, I mean yeah. that would help, but at at some point, it's probably worth just to upgrade the machine yeah entirely 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. But as for Baldur's Gate 3, uh, I'm going to continue being anti-worm. Rand will continue being pro-worm. Uh, and we'll, we'll get... Oh, uh, sorry. Right as you were saying political shit. This doesn't matter, but I thought this was actually pretty cool. We saved a bunch of gnomes. And this guy kept talking about uh, his husband. And I was like... Uh, his husband uh, and I was like is this a female character no it's a man and the person you save is his husband like another man character and I don't know it's the first time in a long time that I've seen a gay relationship in an RPG and it was pretty early on as well Uh, I'll tell you right now there's a lot more than gay shit in this game (laughs) I'll tell you right now it gets pretty crazy Uh, so You'll be pleasantly surprised when you move further along. Um, yeah, there, some of the romance in this game is a little bit tearjerker. No matter what way you swing, you're like, oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> like you're yeah. just like, yeah. But yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that stuff's just, just open, man. In a fantasy world where you have 48 different races and you can fucking shoot fireballs out of your fingers, who cares? If you bone? You oh, know? I mean, One, it's not it's not a problem at all. But I kind of you know, there's such a hard. Uh, response to this sort of stuff that i feel like maybe a lot of developers weigh the options and they're like oh man is it worth it is it really worth it all the negative fucking bullshit i'm gonna get and larian was just like nah full send <laughs> <We're gonna laughs> yeah, full fuck send. you don't play our game we're gonna win game of the year anyways bitch yeah which go, is kind of which is awesome yeah okay yeah. bobby mecha bellum i got you into my tentacles and what did you think um yeah i don't i don't know it it reminded me a lot of legion td2 which you know it's it's a great game but it is difficult it's it's difficult but not in the way that you think so it's a strategy game where you can take your time it doesn't rely on you having like super high clicks per minute and uh, you know like a moba but um it requires a lot of knowledge. There's an incredibly deep level of knowledge that you have to, uh, you have to learn as you play the game and you've just got to memorize what each unit does, what counters it and how to counter different strategies. So it's just a game that takes research and time, um, which is, uh, I don't know. I kind of have less patience for those games. I think I'm getting to that point where I'm just like, ah, you know what? I'm just going to stick with what's familiar. And, uh, go back and play some team fortress two or something, (laughs) but it, it is a good game. Um, I, we struggled last week to define what the genre was. I think we were throwing around the word auto battler and God, what was it? Uh, tug of war chess. Yeah. Tug of war, auto chess. chess. So on the steam page, they call it an auto battler. And I don't know, what do they call Legion TD two? Cause it's like the exact same thing. You set up your characters on one side the enemy sets up theirs. They just run at each other. There's nothing you can do while the combat's going on. You just do the planning phase and let the attacks play out. Well, um, I think um, Legion TD, they call a tower defense. Yeah. Well, they do tag it as auto battler as well. Okay. And I think they called it tower defense because that was a mod way back in the day. And that was really the only terminology they had for something like that back then. We did not know the future text. <laughs> we uh, did not know. Yeah. Uh, have you, there was, we saw there was people that we were playing uh, Wild Classic with, right? And they were like trying to tell us shit. And we were like, do not recite the old text to us. I was there when it was written. Like we were getting so <laughs> mad at people. But yeah. Um, Bobby, would you, would you suggest that 
Mechabellum, uh, would you suggest this to someone who normally plays tower defenses or maybe likes other auto battlers? Um, I think the setting's really cool. Like, I like the whole robots and shit. Yeah, I, I don't know. I need to spend more time with it to decisively stay, say this, but I think I liked it better than Legion TD too. I don't know. I just, I felt like I could not figure out that game. Like, I couldn't figure out how to get good at that game. Um, but when we, when Christian and I were playing, we played some multiplayer and we played the same people both times. And the first time, my very first multiplayer game ever, uh, I just got slaughtered, um, no question. But then the next game, the rematch, um, we still lost, but I did notably better. So like, I feel like I was kind of starting to understand what was happening and why, why I was losing. That's always the frustrating thing in, when you play a game and you don't understand what killed you or why, why you're losing. Yeah. Um, they definitely could use like a stats page, hey, Bobby, like after every round of combat or maybe even at the end of the game, be like, this is your unit that did the most damage. This is the enemy unit that did the most damage to you or something like that. Yeah, that would be helpful. Um, I think a little bit of that is on me. Like I just need to pay attention and figure out what's going on. Um, and when you're, you know, these are little micro machines on your screen. You've got to zoom in to see what's happening. But I did kind of figure it out at some point. Oh, he got these units and these units can shoot down the rockets that my units are shooting. So, but uh, I just don't, I haven't played the game enough to know, okay, well, what counters that? So it's a bit of rock, paper, scissors, which I don't know. I don't know how you get around that in game design. Like people always complain about that, but it's like, what, what can you do though? <laughs> this, what's the other option? Like- this is a bit deeper than rock. I guess there are definitely hard counters, but like there's also, I feel like just positioning is such a big part of why people like in the game we were playing, the guy spawned his factories and the factories produce units over time. That's an upgrade. You can get to the war factories and he put his units on the very back of the field. And because we were playing two V two, when one side is destroyed, your units go to your partner's side to help their battle. So you've basically doubled the length of the fight. So war factories are probably finally worth it because they produce a unit every 10 seconds or 5 seconds. But just in single player, like me versus someone else, I've almost never seen someone deploy a war factory. Because by the time they've deployed the first units, the round is pretty much over. So mm-hmm. the positioning and the time of the rounds and even those two game modes that we played, like when I played survival with you, I was like, oh yeah, this is really nothing like what I've been playing. Like this is a completely different thing. Um, yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, maybe, but also the positioning of your units super matters because units will just attack the closest unit to it. So you can kind of guess and counter certain strategies mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so you can get more value depending on where you place your units. So wait, was that the first time you had played 2v2s? Uh, no, I played 2v2s before one one time. Hmm. Yeah, so I kind of knew what was about to happen, but um, yeah. The, the War Factory rush strat, that was crazy. That guy pumped out so many air units. I, w- I don't even know what to do with that, like... Do you also just get war factories up? Because that's what you did the one round and you won. So, <laughs> yeah, see that I, I don't know. Like we played the first game 
against these two guys and I figured out I realized pretty much right away what my mistake was. So I corrected for that in the second game. Um, and then I reached a point where I was winning. So I didn't really know like what to do with all my money. And I, I don't think I spent it wisely. I didn't get like high-end units. But yeah, I don't know. Like if we were to play round three, I'm sure we maybe even would have beat them. It is a little interesting though. And I don't know. I don't know what the right answer here is, but we were winning pretty decisively at the beginning. Um, we had, uh, you both start with what, like five, 6,000 points, something like that. And then when you yeah. win a round, um, you lose or they lose points. Um, so if you reach a point in the game where you just stop winning, it doesn't matter how close or how much damage you do. Like you can't, there's no sort of attrition there. Like you just start losing. So we, we kind of had them on the ropes. They're down to about 800 health. And then, like the tides turned, they had units that countered ours and we kept losing battles and we just couldn't get a single win, which was all we really needed. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of frustrating being on the other end of that, but I'm sure the reason that it's like that is because if you, they want comeback mechanics, right? They want you to be able to, like, if you start playing really well, they don't want you to die anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is pretty cool. That is a cool thing, but it does suck to be on the other end. But to be on the other end, to like be like, okay, I won the next one. Can I win the next one? Okay, I won the next one. Can I win the next one? I have like 10 HP left. I have 2 HP left, you know? That probably feels pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know what's interesting is that right now, and this is a similar genre of game, but it's mobile, um, as far as like an auto-battler, the later stages of PvP for Warcraft Rumble are being criticized for being able to lose so quickly. Like to like the point of, I just sent out my first four units, and if I didn't send out the correct ones, I've just lost. Like, hmm. and that's at like the lo- the top fifteen percent of players. And so, um, it what's what's crazy is that the PvP in that game is a completely different game. Like it it, it is something where you're leveling up units that have completely different uses from what they are in story mode. Um, like there's a character every time you deploy him, he gets 35% more movement speed and 35% more attack speed. Well, in the, in the story, you don't really use them. Uh, you use them because you really have to, right? But in the PVP, you make your whole army, these cheap units. So you can just keep deploying them as fast as you can, which works really well at the lower levels, but at the higher levels, it doesn't. Right. But it's really weird that, Bobby has the kind of the same complaint where there's like a, there's a point where you start losing and then there's no way of coming back. Um, which is like the interest, like it, the way that Warcraft rumble is doing kind of the comeback is they're changing the way towers work or they're changing the buff of the month or, or they're changing the map. And that's how people don't get like completely like stabilized or screwed, uh, based on like being able to lose immediately, I guess. So I wonder if Mechabellum might be able to introduce not a comeback mechanic because comeback mechanics are really weird. They actually just took out some of them in uh, in Mario Kart, which is like the king of comeback mechanics. Um, so I, I wonder if there's like maybe a balancing issue because you, you don't want to lose immediately, I guess. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I, what I was saying about this was I think there is comeback mechanics, though. Like you can you can get down to like no health, but if you start making really good plays and winning rounds, then you won't you won't die as long as you keep winning rounds. They can't oh, just, I see it. 
Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's so hard to do that because it's, um, I don't know if I'm using the right terminology. Is it a zero sum game? Is that what they call this? When like, in order for somebody to win, someone has to lose. So in order for someone to have a good time, someone else has to have a bad time. And that's, oh, of course. That, that's like just one of the central tenets of video games for the longest time, unless you play co-op, which is why I enjoy co-op so much more these days. But, um, you know, it's just like any competitive game that I, I've played. It's just like they always try to keep you at that 50% win rate. So half the time I'm pissed off. And the other half of the time, I'm I'm not even feeling that good. I'm just like, okay, good. You know, <laughs> yeah, things are as they should be. <laughs> I think another thing with what we were playing is maybe the main game mode that most people are playing is 1v1s just because it's most the most accessible. Uh, and maybe they balance the whole game around that. And I have a feeling because we played these guys twice and they both got the same army, the same starting cards both times. I have a feeling they knew what they were doing. You know, they were trying mm-hmm. to cheese. They were because for people who haven't played this game, this will make no sense. But you should check it out. This guy's just massing steel balls, dude. Like you would never do that in a single player game ever. You know, they're relatively high cost units, and there's not that many of them. Uh, but this guy had just way too many to handle. That's like all he bought the whole, basically the whole match. And so, you know, the second, you know, what's interesting. What? What's interesting? You go ahead and finish your story. Go ahead and finish your story. No, no, no. What's interesting is people do the same thing in magic. It's when you play two (laughs) V two, there's somebody will have like insanely high shit, insanely. Like you would never, ever, ever play it in single player. But one person will have the defense and one person will have like the super big creatures or whatever, super big spells. So it's interesting to hear that in a, in a, in a oh, computer game. Yeah. No, no, no. That, that, that kind of checks out. Cause the one guy had the war factories, which really running into us. And the other guy had a bunch of anti-air. So I don't know. We're getting into the weeds on Mechabellum. Sorry about that long segment. Tw- two weeks in a row. We're really torturing you guys, but I would love to play Mechabellum with anyone who's interested. So if you do pick it up, let me know. And uh, I tried to bother Nick. Nick did not befell to my tentacle arms, my Mechabellum. <laughs> you messaged me the day that WoW came out. I'm like, no. I'm <laughs> I sorry, dude. I, I didn't know that. And I'm glad you played WoW because honestly, when you were talking about it, it was pretty awesome. So, <laughs> uh, Okay. Bobby, anything else on... Uh, on Mechie. No, that's a wrap on Mechabellum. Mechabellum. Okay, everyone. That means we're on to guess that sound. We're guessing that sound. There's $40 in the pot this week. It's a mystery sound. I'm going to play it. Then let's hear the guess. Ready, everyone? That's the sound people have been guessing for many weeks now. We add $5 to the pot every week. This week, Marco guessed. Using your pickaxe to mine metals in uh, Deep Rock Galactic or engineer repairing a building in the original Command and Conquer. And since Marco is a patron, he gets two chance he gets two guesses on his email. Unfortunately, Nick, can I get a drum roll? It's wrong! It's wrong! I'm sorry, it's wrong! But, never fear. Nick and Bobby get a chance to help you. The first help clue was melee. Something melee. The second clue I can reveal. But, 
I'm looking at both of your faces right now. Don't close any tabs. Don't shift to anything. I'll know. Okay. Don't look anything up. Play in the spirit of the game. Nick and Bobby, you know I'm from Canada. You know up here, it's a different world down in the United States of America, this republic you have going to the south of the border. It's crazy. I hear crazy things. The craziest thing I hear is all these fast food restaurants you have, and you have so many and such a variety of them, it amazes me. But do you know any Canadian fast food restaurants? Between you two, I want you to name three Canadian fast food restaurants. Tim Hortons. It's actually a fast food restaurant, right? Yes. What do you got? You got anything, Bobby? No. I I assume you have the same fast food we had here. They they do, but they have a couple of others. Oh my god, fuck! A million oh, Canadians really? who listen to this podcast cry out in sadness. I think I've given you guys long enough. Nothing, Tim Hortons. No. I mean, that was Tim good. Hortons. That was good. Yeah. Um, there's another one that has like a red logo with white lettering, and I can't remember what the fuck it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Totally. Yeah. Oh, they were so close. Maybe that I'll, you know, it's a little difficult. I'll play the wrong answer thing again because I like the sound effect. They didn't get to help <laughs> you this fun. week. They didn't get to help you this week. That's so sad. I think you're thinking of Boston Pizza, Nick. Yep. That's what I'm thinking of. That's yep. exactly what it is. Uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. A cultural exchange here didn't happen on the DL Gaming Podcast this week. But next week, you can guess. And how can you guess? The pot will be $45. It's Steam credit. That's a that's a game, two games, three games on a sale. Winter's coming up. I don't think you want to miss it. Email pixelshitshow at gmail.com to guess. And if you're a patron, just make sure you're emailing us from the same email that you use to sign up for Patreon. And send in two guesses. And like Marco, I'll read them both. I love this segment. This segment is my pride and joy. How do you guys feel about it? I like it. Um, I'm wondering what's going to happen when it reaches $100, if we're going to get a lot of new listeners to be able to solve this, <laughs> or if someone's going to start using AI. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. There's probably some AI doohickey someone could put this through. But uh, I guess we have no plugs or subs. So we're on to listener questions, Bobby. And we've got just one this week, and that is coming from Tattooed Terry. He says, or he asks, who made the intro and outro DLG music, and why is it so good? I don't think you guys know who made this. I, do I don't. I know it was uh, a listener, wasn't it? It was. So a long time ago, God, I'll have to dig up this audio clip to see if we still have it. A long time ago, one of our listeners named Frubs, or maybe it was Frub. I think it's Frubs. Um he sent us an intro because he, he does this like professionally um, or not exactly this, but he works with audio professionally and he sent us an intro that had clips of things Emilio and I, and I think she and maybe Chad at the time had said, and it was, it was great, man. It was, it was awesome. Do you still um, have that? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, we could go back and grab it from an old episode. Those are still, okay, like, cool. if, you, if you go back to like, like 2015, 2016, I think 2016, 2017, they're probably on those episodes. Um, but then, you know, cast members change, things change. So w- after we needed a new intro, we went to him and I kind of felt bad because he had done that like uh, just 
out of generosity the first time, but then, you know, it's always different when people ask you to make something. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we bought them a, a game for it too, but I know that kind of work is, um, that kind of creative work is, is very demanding. Um, but he came up with, uh, this intro that we currently have, and we really, really liked it and we haven't changed it since. Yeah. And recently we changed from a long version to a short version. Did he send you both or is the short version just cut long version? And no, is there a longer trim. version? Is there a longer version of the long version, dude? I don't it's think a full so, five no. minutes on. He just sent us the, <laughs> the one 30 second version, which for me, I mean, I don't mind a long intro on a podcast because when I listen to podcasts, I know the ones that I listen to, I've got a fast forward button that jumps ahead 30 seconds. So I know each podcast, like I can jump, I can skip one minute ahead on this one or 30 seconds ahead on that one. It's going to put me right there in the episode, but I don't know. Yeah, we get right to it now on this one. Yeah. Okay. Well, Frubs, is Frubs still out there? He must be. He's on my Steam friends list, which Dude. I never look at anymore. Send him a, a hey, boy, how's it going? Send him a yeah, hey, man. Last <laughs> online four weeks ago. It's been a while. So. Oh, no. I always hate that. It's, yeah. Anyways, cool. Uh, what's everyone playing this week? Mm, I'm supposed to start a double date Baldur's Gate playthrough. Ooh, double date Baldur's Gate. I love it. Yeah, so it's going to be me, my wife, and then um, her niece and her husband. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Cool. Um, For the King 2 came out. I didn't realize that. I don't know if I'm going to pick that up and play it, though. Um, We'll see. I I really want to play some more Sea of Thieves. Um, I... There's not much to talk about with it, though. They came out with the uh, Monkey Island stuff, and I think like I'm a a little bit behind on that. But um, yeah, probably not too much there. And then I don't know. I'll find something. I bought Titanfall 2 like for a a dollar or something so long ago, and I've been meaning to play that. Still haven't. Okay. Uh, Dang. I don't know. The week ahead of me is open. I want to get back into playing some Victoria 3 because they've just released... I haven't played since they released two or three or four updates that have kind of completely changed the game, which happens with Paradox Grand Strategy titles. It's always kind of cool to play one version of the game than uh, another one. Sometimes it's not exactly better, but uh, completely different. Um, Like with Stellaris, that has had such a long life, like playing Stellaris five years ago, completely different game, but still pretty fun uh, than playing Stellaris now. So maybe Victoria 3, but you know what, Bobby? I would do... I wouldn't do anything. I would do some things to join you aboard the ship. What's your ship name again? Which one? Oh, <laughs> the the two two man ship, the Scooty Puff Junior. The Scooty Puff Junior. <laughs> I would do Is that a from lot. Futurama. <laughs> the Scooty Puff Junior. <laughs> I would. Yeah. I would love to play some Sea of Thieves because when we played it last, I had. Uh, kind of a ridiculous amount of fun. It's been a long time since I've played a co-op or like PvP game where I've had that much just kind of dumb fun. So, you know, but I don't want to, you know, only if the invitation is open, dude. I don't want to, I don't want to take up places on the Scooney Patootie. Or <laughs> Bobby's on the ship and you just see Sniper running. He's just like, unmoor the ship, unmoor the ship, run! <laughs> Get out of port. Get out of port. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, but, I, yeah. I'm sure I have lost whatever talent I've had. I had at that game, so 
we're uh we're probably on the same level okay probably not okay uh nick i guess would you like to do the honors of signing us all off into oblivion sure uh we never said where emilio is by the way which is kind of funny. oh yeah that's weird you probably think we assassinated him or something <laughs> we're not acknowledging his existence uh yeah he's 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 very tired and or sick so uh feel better take a nap drink some booze i don't know do whatever you do to recharge buddy um this has been the dlg podcast thank you very much for listening we love you all uh big kisses and hugs uh happy holidays so far um i will say santa claus titties thank you Santa Claus titties. 